Welcome to the Trojan Tailgate Podcast Network. I am proud to introduce to you today your home for honest sports analysis that you won't hear anywhere else. All from a group of friends that met at Troy University. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And here's your host, Hampton Sipper. Welcome in to another edition and the long-awaited return of the Trojan Tailgate Network's NBA Recap Show. My name is Hampton Sipper, and I'm joined by my good friend, Kyle Edwards. Kyle, how's it going tonight, buddy? Going great, man. I mean, as you know, I'm on the NFL pod, but basketball is my true love. Basketball is my true sport. I've always loved it. I've always played it. I've I've always just been a basketball fanatic, so I'm I'm very excited to get this one back on the road. Uh, it's good to get this one started. Maybe we can get old Big Papa to join us here sometime soon. Um, but it's it's good. Let's get into this thing. How you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Doing good. Just uh, watched actually watched the Pelican Celtics today. That was a good game and um, had a good little weekend. And I think old Woe Suave is going to want to join us on the NBA pod in the future too. So um, let's get it, baby. Yeah. Hey, I told him we'll. Um, you know, we're going to kick it off with you and me to recap a little bit of the first third of the year and then kind of incorporate him and old Big Papa in as we uh, as we go along. So let's get right into it, man. Um, we're like I said, we're about a third over a third of the way into the season. All star break is fast approaching. Um, I want to ask you after about 30 games, what are some of your you know, your biggest surprises or your biggest takeaways from uh, the first 30 games? Yeah, so if for a lot, of, a lot of you that know me know that I'm, I'm a LeBron homer a little bit. No so, way! <laughs> so with that means that I am a die, I've been a diehard Laker fan for the past two and a half years. I mean, just a diehard Laker fan. And um, before that, a diehard Cleveland Cavaliers fan. Before that's that. right. Hey, I also have some Miami memorabilia. Member, member, Wow, you say that word, hanging up in, in my room right now. There it is. Um, but, yeah, LeBron Homer, so by default, I'm automatically a Lakers fan right now. And and one thing that is probably my biggest takeaway um, has been Anthony Davis. I mean, he kind of got banged up right now, and is he, he's banged up right now out for, I think they said, like three, three, four weeks. And About I'll be month. honest with you. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. That might – as long as it doesn't have, like, a lingering issue, that might have been the best thing to happen to him. Because the dude has been absolutely struggling. I don't know if you saw what Draymond said a couple of weeks ago. He didn't specifically name drop the yeah. player, but he was saying how out of shape he was and he was just how shocked he was. And, and everybody in the media kind of tied it together to Anthony Davis. And it, it kind of makes sense. I mean, just from his numbers, he's only averaging 22, which is the lowest he's averaged since the second year in the league. And oh. one thing that really stands out to me more so than his actual points, rebounds, assists or whatever – it's his free throws. He's shooting only 71% from the line right now. He shot 85% last year. How do you go from a 14% drop year after year when he's been like a, a pretty well-established good free throw shooter? 
So when mm-hmm. when your free throw is not falling, that that's that's mental out a little bit right there. Or when it's falling a lot less than it usually has, that that's something going on upstairs. I mean, if it, it's just weird that he's not producing in any facet, and when he's not hitting his free throws either, which is something he can usually go and get some confidence at, that makes you makes you kind of wonder a little bit. But I think this injury, like I said, as long as it doesn't have any long lasting effects, he's going to be able to rest for about four or five weeks. And I don't think the Lakers are going to be in any hurry to get him back either. I, I mean, yeah, they might want the one seed, but I think having Anthony Davis for the entire run is way more important than the one seed. Um, so, and right now they're at the two or three spot. So, I mean, what's what's the difference between two or three, especially in the West? I mean, it's not really going to matter, I think, because you gotta ha- you're going to have to have Anthony Davis playing up to what he played last year if you want to win a title. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, because and I know we I, th- I think we might have talked about this a long time ago, but I kind of was telling you I was like, look. This is the year. Like, Anthony Davis is going to make an MVP run right here. I predicted that he would make a dark horse MVP run, and LeBron would slowly give him the keys this year. But it it has not been that at all. It's still been the LeBron show, and Anthony Davis has continued to struggle. And the Lakers are kind of coasting right now. So it'll be interesting to see how they do in his absence and how he looks when he comes back. Um, what, what's kind of your take on the whole Anthony Davis struggling this year? No, I agree with you. I think uh, them making that late run in the bubble had effects. You know, we kind of talked pre-show about all these teams that made a deep run have really kind of struggled to begin the year. But AD hadn't been scoring as much, um, and he hadn't been scoring as efficiently. Uh, His three-point percentage has gone down from 33% last year to 29%, which is the lowest since 2016. And another big thing, he's not the same defensive player. Last year, he was the anchor of that Lakers defense and really is kind of what separated them. And I think when they wanted to turn it on and shut you down, he was a big part of that because he was a rim protector. And uh, he kind of covered up a lot of, you know, you could have some leeway or a little bit of a margin for error because, you know, he would be somewhat of an eraser. And he's just not been that this year. So I'm kind of with you. I think a – uh, a little bit of a hiatus, a little bit of a break for him could be good to get his mind right, but also uh, to maybe get in shape. And he's going to have about a month probably when he comes back um, to really get in basketball shape for that playoff run. And uh, I'll have to disagree with you a little bit. I think um, – I don't think they're going to get the one seed, but getting being the two or three this year, I think having to play either the Clippers or – the Jazz, like if you're the two or three seed, you're gonna you're gonna have to play um, both the Clippers and the Jazz probably to be where you want to be, you know, in the finals. And I think that's kind of um, kind of big. Not saying the Lakers aren't up to the challenge and that they're not better than those teams. Just the you know the gradual kind of wear and tear and the miles that that puts on you as a team. Because I think both of those series would be kind of hard fought. Is, are, uh, you, are you are you assuming the Jazz hold on to the one seed? Um, either hold on to one or um, slide into the two. I'm just saying in general as it stands right now. I don't know really kind of how I feel about the Jazz at this point. I'm a little I'm a little gun shy on you know sending in the hey they're a championship contender, but uh, they've been really impressive this year. So that's kind of just as it stands right now, more more so yeah. than anything. Uh, I want to pop in for a second. The the kind of comparison I'm getting a vibe off of from the Jazz, I don't want to go this far, 
but they kind of remind me of that Hawks team that went on that <laughs> massive win streak. Uh, they ended up walking the one seed in the East. But that Hawks team, I mean, they were really good and deep. They didn't, but they didn't have a guy like Donovan Mitchell. Donovan that's Mitchell's been outstanding. Exactly. So that's yeah. why I don't completely give that comparison there. But I mean, ain't nobody really thinking the Jazz are about to make a run to the finals. I mean, yeah, they're going to make a deep run, and yeah, they can give anybody in the Western Conference fits. They can take the Clippers to seven games. They can take the Lakers to seven games. They definitely have the talent and the depth to do that. But unless unless Donovan Mitchell takes another half step forward, I don't see them getting over the hump. But yeah, I, I think they're a really good story. I think they're going to be kind of like the Nuggets were last year, who really good regular season team and kind of just run out of gas in the bubble. Or not, they won't be in the bubble this year, obviously, but kind of run out of gas in the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I, I do like the Jazz. Good good team, good pieces. But I don't think they're quite there yet. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of my takeaway on them. Give me okay. the, yeah. the Atlanta Hawks. And you, we all remember what happened to the Atlanta Hawks. They ran Sweet. into that man. Oh, baby. <laughs> well, okay. To be fair, like you said, there was nobody in their right mind who thought that the Hawks would beat the Cavs that year. <laughs> Because they, they didn't have a guy like Donovan Mitchell or even a guy like Mike Conley. Mike Conley's been really good for him this year. Rudy Gobert's back to being a defensive player of the year candidate. So I do think they're a, um, a better team. I just I, – I, I'm with you on, you know, let's wait and see or if they're just a regular season wonder or if they're built, built to last. But give me another one of your uh, takeaways for, uh, you know, for the year so far. Man, you kind of hinted on it a little bit when you were when you were talking earlier, and you were saying how the teams that kind of made a deep run in the bubble last year were really affected. And you know, you got you got the Nuggets who've been struggling, the Lakers who are kind of coasting, and then on the Eastern side, you had the Celtics and the Heat, and the Heat have been really struggling really bad. But also, uh, kind of something we really didn't see coming, or I didn't see coming, the Celtics. Man, I mean, I know they made that deep run in the bubble, and they're kind of tired, and they're they could have some fatigue on their legs, but. I mean, I know the Heat have a worse record, but I felt like the Celtics were really – I feel like Tatum, who was looking really good, I felt like he was definitely going to take another step. And I'm not saying he hasn't been great, but the Celtics team as a whole have really been struggling. Mm-hmm. They're 15 and 15 right now. And, yeah. you know, if you look at their roster, and it doesn't help that Marcus Smart's a little banged up right now, but, it, man, if you just look at their roster, yeah, you got Tatum, who's been dominant, who's been playing really well. And then you have uh, Jalen Brown, who keeps progressing. And then Kimba's kind of been – kind of been eh, you know, coming off that injury. It's kind of like, is he 100%? But, man, after them three and Marcus Smart, dude, they don't have anybody. It's like this Peyton Pritchard kid's been a nice little story, came in and giving him a little spark every now and then. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, Teague's old – I mean, Daniel Tice, Tristan Thompson was a, was a signing that, I mean, yeah, they kind of needed a big, but it's kind of like Tristan Thompson's old. He's not really going to – I mean, he can give you some rebounds, but what's he going to do for you other than that? So, I mean, really, this roster, and Danny Ainge kind of came out and said it not too long ago. He said he hadn't been doing a good enough job, and this roster's terrible. Um, but, man, I mean, you really, this was a team that I really thought could make some noise in the East, but right now they're struggling big time. And really, after their top three or four guys, I mean, this is this is like the the Cavs, the Thunder, the Wizards outside of Bradley Beal. Like, these got a bunch, they got a bunch of not really good players uh, after that. Um, so, death, I definitely see an issue, but I don't know. Were you kind of surprised at how the Celtics have started this year? Yeah, I was. Uh, you know, they they started out pretty good, and they were, I think, 7-3. and three. Then Tatum got COVID. When he got COVID, they went on and played Philadelphia, lost both of those games. And I think they kind of lost a little bit of their identity on who they, of who they were. 
then Smart gets hurt, then Pritchard, who, you know, he, I think he's been a little more than a good story for him. He's been um, a very solid role player. Uh, but after, you know, after he got hurt and Smart got hurt, I think they just lack an identity. And, you know, you said outside their top three or four, you don't really know how good they are. Well, to me, it's outside their top two because Kimba Kimba's not the same the same guy that he was when he signed there last year. Uh, he lacks explosiveness. He like that. You know how Kemba, he has, I mean, he has a little bit of Kyrie, but his um, ability to accelerate, get zero to um, zero to his top speed really quickly. Um, his ability to kind of stop on a dime that has waned this year. He doesn't, he just doesn't look like the same guy. Um, I mean, even today against the Pelicans, you know, he, um, he just wasn't very good. And then if he's not giving you anything on offense, he's not um, – I mean, on defense especially, he's not giving you anything. Um, so I think that's problematic. And, you know, we kind of talked about, I think, on our own, but they had all these picks and all, you know, all these assets, and they've really kind of blown it, you know, a little bit. Um, like I know they drafted Aaron Neesmith um, – you know, this year, but they could have probably traded up and gotten Tyrese Halliburton, um, who eventually went to the Kings and has been a really good player for him. Um, and I think he would have, been, you know, he's kind of exactly what um, Boston needs, another playmaker, another ball handler. So I think he would have been a really good addition, but they didn't roll the dice on that. Um, you know, Neesmith isn't contributing at all. Romeo Langford from last year ain't contributing at all. So I, I just think their roster is just not good past Tatum and Brown. What's going to be interesting, and I, I hadn't talked to you about this, but I wonder maybe there's a guy in Washington who grew up um, playing with Jason Tatum, knows him really well. What if he gets traded, Mr. Bradley Beal, to the Celtics? I think if you, if you put him um, with Brown and Tatum, then we have a whole different ball game. Um, I think that could be a lethal, lethal trio, um, especially with the way Brown um, and Tatum play defense. I think that gives them uh, more flexibility to do that, gives them another scoring presence. Um, what do you think about that? Do you think if they got Beal, would that really help them? Yeah, or stretch sure. five, that would help too. <laughs> yeah, but it feels like Boston's always been big man by committee outside after Kevin Garnett. Um, They've always yeah. brought in your Enos Cantors. They have your Daniel Tices. Your, they brought in Tristan Thompson. But going back to your Bill statement, like, yeah, I mean, absolutely, that would be that would be a good a good fit. But it just seems like Danny Ainge never pulls the trigger on blockbuster trades. I mean, I remember back when Tatum was a rookie, and you know they took LeBron to seven uh, in LeBron's last year in Cleveland. And yeah. I remember everybody was talking about – because Jalen was – he might have – I don't know if he was a rookie or second year. He was really young. You know, they had all second of these year. guys. Yeah, these top three or four guys were extremely young. And and then I remember everybody was like, all right, Danny Ainge. And they also had a ton of picks at this time. They had like six or seven picks. And then a year or two goes by, and then the Kawhi Leonard situation. He wanted out of San Antonio. And then someone – a lot of people in the media are like, Danny Ainge, you got all the picks. You know, is the second year Jason uh, – Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and all your picks, like – it's, a, it's one thing if you want to hold on to all your picks like, and your core guys like that and not make a big trade. But, man, they have – like you said, they failed in the draft. They haven't they haven't capitalized on the opportunity they had. And I, I wonder if they go back and look at a guy like Kawhi. That, and who knows? Like, 
if you get Kawhi instead of he goes to Toronto that year, he mm-hmm. might still be in Boston right now. I mean, Boston's a little bit different than Toronto, but there's been multiple cases like that, and it's just like he's had all these picks, all this draft capital, all these assets, but he he never really made a move with them. Um, well, you know, he I mean, and then when he did make a move, like you know, they traded for Kyrie, they traded Isaiah Thomas, who came off a career MVP type year to Cleveland. They get Kyrie. Kyrie gets hurt that first year. Um, well, you know, okay. So yeah, they trade was, yeah the first year, and then they go to the Eastern Conference Finals without Kyrie. Yeah, but they also signed Hayward, and what happens? First game of the year, Hayward blows out his ankle, and um, he's out for the year, and then he's never the same. Um, but even though he's balling in um, Charlotte this year, he's been really, really good for them, and the problem with him has always been health. But they tried those two moves, and neither one of them really kind of, you know, played out. Um, so even when he has tried them, um, and I agree with you, he should have probably been more aggressive on a couple of them, um, you know, a couple of moves that they potentially could have made, but those two moves didn't really work out. So it's just kind of, they appear a little snake bitten too, you know? Yeah. But even the Kyrie trade, like Kyrie was begging to get out of Cleveland. It wasn't like the Celtics were going and just absolutely pursuing Kyrie and unloading the hall for him. I mean, I think everybody in the in the Boston organization knew that what Isaiah Thomas did that year was never going to be replicated. Like that was that was Jeremy Land for a season instead of a week was what well, Isaiah especially Thomas with that was. hip too. Yeah, exactly. And so I just yeah. looked it up. They gave up Isaiah Thomas a first rounder and Zizic and Jay Crowder. And Jay Crowder is definitely just a role player. So I mean, they they really didn't give up that much to get Kyrie. And then, like you said, it didn't pan out. The Hayward situation didn't pan out. And it's just like, man, you like obviously there's if you're a Boston fan, there's no reason to just completely freak out because Tatum's what 22, 23. I mean, the dude's he's gonna 22. be an MVP. Yeah, he's he's, he's gonna be an MVP level level player for the next decade. So I mean, ultimately you have him and Jalen Brown's young. Um, been Marcus Smart's developing a jumper, but man, like when you have guys like Gordon Hayward, when you have other – when you need better role players, like you're going to have to keep them. You're going to have to develop them, and you're going to have to draft well, and that's something they really haven't done well so far. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they can turn it around. Um, but, man, unless I – don't, I don't see them getting any depth this year, but unless Tatum turns into an even bigger monster than he is already, I don't see them making it to the Eastern Conference Finals this year, especially with the East being so top-heavy. Like, yeah, they, they, they'll get out of the first round, but – but, man, when you start seeing Philly, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, even though Milwaukee's kind of struggling too, like when it comes playoff times, you're not going to beat them guys with the roster you have now and the way they're playing. I think they could beat Milwaukee. I don't think – I think Philly would be a matchup nightmare for them. Embiid would absolutely do unspeakable – that <laughs> he would have to be arrested for to that roster with that the lack of big men that they have. That would be so, – oh, that would be really, really bad. Um, and I think um, – I don't think they're a good matchup with Brooklyn either because Brooklyn has so much firepower. Um, and, I, you know, like I said, outside of Tatum, Tatum and Brown, you know, it's just not – they don't have that firepower. They don't have – I mean, do, who who on their team is a knockdown shooter? I mean, they, they need they need a three-point specialist. They need a better big. I mean, they, they just kind of have a lot of holes right now. So, it'll be yeah, interesting uh, to see. Oh, go ahead. 
Yeah, I, I kind of think they can match up with Brooklyn a little better because we have star power versus star power, and both teams don't have a ton of depth. Like, yeah, Brooklyn has a little bit better depth. They got Joe Harris, who's nice, um, and a couple other small pieces like that. But, but I mean, after their stars, both of those teams aren't just loaded on the bench. Um, so, I mm-hmm. do think that the Celtics could match up a little bit better with Brooklyn. I think if, if Tatum – I mean, obviously, you got a three-headed monster and then a one-and-a-half-headed monster in Boston. Um so, obviously, Brooklyn would definitely have the advantage. But, I mean, I, I definitely think matchup-wise, I think uh, Brooklyn could give them. Now, I want to talk a little bit about Milwaukee for a second because you said that you thought they could beat Milwaukee. Now, Milwaukee's lost five out of six right now. However, Ooh. Drew Ooh. Holiday has been out for the past seven games. Yeah. And I think that is a really big key as to why they are struggling a little bit right now. Now, don't get me wrong. Giannis, uh, he's a whole nother topic that we can talk about later. I will talk, um, we will. <laughs> but but I, I I don't think the recent Buck struggles or nothing, even though in the past couple years they've absolutely blitzed the regular season, haven't had any issues rolling guys by 30 like it was nothing. It's a little bit different story this year. Um, but, no, I, I, think, I think the loss of Drew Holiday has definitely played a factor. Um, in, in their recent struggles. But I, I don't think Boston could beat Milwaukee. I don't. Um, I think Milwaukee's got a better roster. I think Giannis and Tatum could kind of cancel each other out, and I think I think their supporting cast would come through for Milwaukee. But definitely, and it's just, I think it would definitely be a good series, though. I could see Boston. I, I still got – I got Milwaukee in six on that one, though. But Okay. I, th- I just think – I'm just not a believer in Milwaukee. I've been fooled. They fooled me in the first year that Giannis won MVP into, like, thinking they were a really good team. Um, and, I mean, they were. The, I mean, they they went to the conference finals. They were up 2-0 in Toronto and then just completely fell apart. But ever since that juncture, man, they – I feel like teams know how to defend them in the playoffs. I don't think they use Giannis correctly. I don't – I don't – especially in the game situations, I don't like what they – um, what they do. I mean, they always put the ball in um, Middleton's hand. And not well, saying he's not a good player, but I just – I question his decision-making at the end of the game. Like, I'd rather – I'd honestly rather, if I'm only down by, like, one or two, put Giannis in the low post and let him be the decision-maker instead of Middleton. Um, I'm just not – I don't know. I'm just gun-shy on them. But what were you going to say? That's, a, that's, that's kind of my thing. Like, Giannis – is just an absolute freak. I mean, he's gonna he can go, but it, that's the thing. He's not the best in late game situations. You can't just give him the ball at the top of the key and be like, get us a bucket. No, because, especially in the playoffs, because they're gonna have four guys waiting in the paint, and they used to make you kick it to Eric Bledsoe and make him beat you. Obviously, he's not there anymore. <laughs> um, but but that's kind of the thing with Giannis in the playoffs. It's like you just build a wall as a lot of the coaches have said. Exactly. And, and make and make someone like Chris Middleton – that's why Middleton gets it. Um, and even then, like, if Giannis does drive into four people and draw a foul, it's like, okay, he's going to have to hit two free throws. And he really hasn't proven he can do that either. Um, so that that's the no. thing with Giannis. That's why – that's why I, honestly, that's why I think – I think Drew Holiday will be huge in the end-of-game situations for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he can definitely – especially having him and Middleton and Giannis – you kind of give yourself three options, let Giannis do, do some kind of off-ball. Um, obviously, coaches are getting paid a lot more money than we are to uh, to figure out how to use them efficiently. But, but mm-hmm. yeah, you're exactly right. Like, 
I don't feel comfortable just giving the ball to Giannis at the top of the key because you know he's going to drive. I mean, what are you? Who was it the other day when uh, Giannis shot at a shot at the buzzer? Oh, Devin and, Booker. Yeah, and Devin Booker said, uh, "We were good. I wasn't worried." <laughs> like, like that's the biggest insult. You know he's not going to pull up. Like, uh, that's there's so many issues with Giannis in a late game situation because you you're not worried about no step back three. You're not worried about a turnaround jumper. It's like. If he gets to the hole, he gets to the hole. But even then, we can just hack him and make him go to the free throw line. Like, it's a lose-lose. So, you'd almost rather just give it in Middleton's hand. Give it – get it in Middleton's hands. Yeah, and, like, let me clarify. I don't think it should be Giannis initiating the offense at the top of the key at <laughs> all. I, because I don't I, – like, like I said, like you said, in late-game situations, I don't think that's his specialty. But if you use him almost – I think they need to come to the realization that he's more of a Shaq than he is a Kobe, and they need to just give him the ball in the post and let him either pass out of it, um, like either pass out of it or, um, you know, make a move to the rim. Because I think – I just think that's sometimes better than what Middleton brings. Because I think – I've seen it too many times where it's just like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I think we think we hammered that point home pretty good. But uh, do you have anything else, any other takeaways you want to bring up before I kind of get mine? No, nah, I was going to ask you, what, what's your what's your big takeaway so far? Ooh, okay. Um, so I think I've got a couple. I think you've got a couple. One of them, um, we talked about the Nuggets. Talked about them struggling. Um, now, you know who ain't struggling on that team? It's Mr. Nikola Jokic. My gravy. That man is – I think he's averaging – let me double check. I think he's averaging like a triple-double. Um, I think his assists have fallen off a little bit lately. I don't know if he's still there in the assist column. Probably because the guy I'm about to talk about ain't making shots. Um, <laughs> but he's averaging 27, 11, and 8.6. Yeah. Assists like that as a big man, that is stupid. Um, he's just now he's elite, his play has been really, really good. But his supposed cohort, um, Mr. Jamal Murray, has not been near that level. And I think we got duped. And what I mean by that is in the bubble, especially in the playoffs, he was a different player in the bubble. This is what he averaged, 26 points per game, five rebounds, six assists, on 50% from the field, 45% from three, and basically 90 from the line. So he was in the 50-40-90 club, um, 50-45-90 club. Um, made big shots, was clutch. Um, just a really, really good player. But this year, this is what – his stats have fallen to. He is averaging 20 points per game. Hold on. Where you at? 20 points per game. He's averaging, um, well, it doesn't give me assists. Yeah, it does. Four assists per game and four rebounds a game. So, I mean, that isn't just like a, you know, just a gradual drop. That's a, that's a pretty big drop in production. His shooting splits are, um, let's see, field goal percentage. His field goal percentage is down by 3%. Um, his three-point percentage is down by 7%. And his free throw 
percentage is down by 10%. So about in every statistical category, he is not performing to the level that he performed in the playoffs and in the primarily the bubble. And I think that is a big reason why they hadn't been nearly as good this year. And so that begs the question, was that a one-time thing in the bubble? You know, was that – is that player ever going to return again? And I'm kind of thinking that might have just been a one-time thing because before that he wasn't – he wasn't to that level. I mean, he was an all-star, but I wouldn't say he was a perennial superstar like we kind of all thought after the bubble. Um, and then this year he's kind of back to what he'd been doing. Um, and I just – wish. I mean, what's your opinion on that? I don't think – that team, as constructed right now, can be back in the Western Conference Finals like they were last year without him being the Robin to, um, you know, Jokic's Batman. And I think right now he ain't even Robin. He's Batgirl. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's bad. He's just, or not bad. He's just not um, to it's the not level what that he saw in the bubble. Yeah. Yeah. So what now, do you think on that? My, my take on the Nuggets. I don't know if you remember this, but last year, do you re- do you remember, especially during the playoffs, we would talk a lot about these type of teams or whatever. Do you remember who impressed me? The, not Obviously, this person was nowhere near as elite as like Jokic or anything, but do you remember a guy on the Nuggets team that I said was an absolute stud and he's m- a big reason on why they're having success? Do you remember? Jeremy Grant, right? Jeremy Grant. When big I remember – Yes, they lost Jeremy Grant. And I remember just watching him in the playoffs. He would guard all five positions. He would, They would always put basically, for the majority of the time, he would guard the other team's best player. He could shoot. He could score. He could slash. He was kind of their do-it-all Swiss Army knife type of guy that never really got a lot of credit. Do you know how many points a game he's averaging right now in Detroit? Like 25, right? Yeah, 24 points a game right now. You think the Nuggets could use that right now to use another scorer? Someone mm-hmm. to kind of lift off the – the uh, shoulders of Murray and Jokic. I mean, that man did everything. And I remember when uh, so I was talking to someone, they, it was they sent it to me. It was like Jeremy Grant's an unrestricted free agent. I said, ah, he's just doing that so he can probably get more money. Like, he's he's not leaving Denver. Denver would be stupid to let him go. And then there we go. Detroit wants to pay him everything, which don't get me wrong, Jeremy Grant's not going to be the best player on the championship team. I'm not I'm not giving him that kind of praise. Mm-hmm. Um, but and that's part of the reason why Detroit's not going <laughs> to paying guys like Jeremy Grant that kind of money. But if you're Denver, mm-hmm. man, like, you needed him. I mean, he did everything for you. He did all the dirty work. He could score. Um, and I honestly think that is the biggest reason why why the Nuggets are struggling right now. I mean, if, if, if you especially if you go look at their roster, like, they got Will Barton and Michael Porter Jr. is a good piece, and Monty Morris is a decent role player. But they're not just loaded with depth um, anymore. But I think Jeremy Grant is the main reason. Now, to get on to um, your Devin Booker take, Devin Booker was outstanding in the bubble. There's no denying you mean that. Jamal yeah, who did I say? Devin Booker. No, my bad. No, my bad. So, yeah, Jamal Murray was outstanding in the bubble. Um, it's kind of – I mean, he was dropping 50 every other night. I mean, he was He was unconscious. And I think he kind of gave us an unrealistic expectation – I think he's kind of came back to his means a little bit. And also, I mean, you look at guys like Anthony Davis, I mean, struggling a little bit because they made a deep run in the bubble. Now, I'm not saying that's a good excuse because obviously you've got other guys who made deep runs who are balling right now. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think he's kind of came back to the mean, his means a little bit. Now, I mean, it, I don't know. It's tough to say if I think he's going to – obviously, I, I don't know if he'll ever get back to that. I mean, there were no fans. Uh, he just kind of got to go in there. He was in, his, he was in a rhythm, no traveling. It's like he was just locked in. No, not really many distractions, and he could just go out and do him. Um, do I think he'll get back to that point where he was just unconscious? Probably no. not. But I do think that he can. He'll he'll continue to get better, and I think he'll be better than he's producing now. I think he'll get closer to his usual averages. Um, but no, I, I I don't think Denver. I think Denver's a pretender this year. Uh, I think they're a second round team, and that's about it. But like I mean. Jeremy Grant losing him, I think that's been the biggest loss for the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of my takeaway on the Nuggets, though. Well, you know, you said, like, return to his means. That's the thing, man. Like, he's averaging two – like, this year is the most points he's averaged, averaged in his entire career. He's averaging 20. Before that, it was 18, 18, 16, and then nine his rookie year. And that's what kind of concerns me is, I, I mean – None of us were expecting him to come and be like, all right, I'm dropping 50 every other game. You know, nothing nothing like that. But, like, for his shooting percentages to drop that drastically, and really they, they didn't – they dropped to what they were um, pre-bubble. You know what I mean? It wasn't like – it wasn't something totally abnormal for him. I think he is playing to his average, and that is what's disappointing is I thought we – that bubble was like another – was him taking the next step yeah. and be, taking that ascension. And I just don't think um, that's happened. But, you know, there's a lot of time left in the year. Maybe he can get it on track. And um, now if he does, that team becomes a lot more um, dangerous. Now, I don't think they're a finals team because they can't guard – I don't think they could guard you or me out there. It's <laughs> um, terrible. But um, I think they could be really interesting because Jokic is – uh, Jokic is not only just an incredible like basketball unicorn, but he consistently in big moments and in big games all through the playoffs last year, he delivered every time, um, whether it be a pass, whether it be a big shot. Um, I think he's a really special player. So I'm, I'm never going to count them out, but uh, Jamal Murray need to need to step his game up. So uh, the other takeaway that I had. Um, I know we talked about the Heat struggling a little bit. Um, well, more than a little bit. They're like 13 and 17. Um, so, they, you know, they've struggled. Um, I thought the Mavs, man. I know, you know, I'm a big, big Luka fan. I think you are too. Um, he's played well. He's played better lately. I think he kind of started off the year, was a little out of shape. Um, cause I think a lot of the teams thought they had longer in the off season, um, than they did. And then they, um, you know, kind of had to play his way into shape. Um, and he's averaging 29 and nine, so he's playing really well, but the rest of the team, um, Josh Richardson replacing Steph Curry for them to trade Seth Curry to get Josh Richardson and what he's given them is, it's just been huge for them because they really, I mean, other than like Luca's not that great of a shooter right now, but other than Porzingis when he's on, which is very rare, they're like their best three point shooters, Maxi Kleber. I mean, they don't have 
they don't have shooting. And with Luca, to me, I mean, I get them to have defense with Richardson, but has he been that big of a difference maker defensively that you want to sacrifice that much offense? I mean, you want shooters around Luca so he can drive and kick. Um, I mean, he's been driving and kicking, but a lot of the times when he kicks it, you know, the shot's not going down because, I mean, he's throwing it to Dorian Finney-Smith and it's going to clank off the rim. <laughs> I think, man, I, I, they're in danger of kind of not making making the playoffs. Um, I there's a lot of teams that I like a lot better than them. Uh, they're not – a bad thing with them is they don't really have the flexibility to um, make a move and to kind of get better this year. I don't think they do. Uh, they're kind of tied to Porzingis' contract, and I just don't know ever know if he'll be what he was pre, you know, bubble injury again because he was really doing well the latter half of last year. Uh, I just I'm kind of kind of worried about them. Um, I think the Suns have been a really good, um, really good team, really solid team. Chris Paul has turned them into a well-oiled machine, especially late in games. They get really good shots just because of the way he orchestrates an offense, uh, pick and roll with him and Aiton, uh, getting good looks for Booker. So Booker doesn't have to be as ball dominant. Um, they've been really good, but main, um, I just want to throw that in there about them. But uh, the Mavs, what do you, what are, what's your kind of take on them? I think you think as they're presently constructed that they're um, not hopeless, but, uh, they're not going to make a deep run in the playoffs if they even get there. Um, my thing on the Mavs, they're currently sitting at 13 and 15. Do I think that is the type caliber team they are? No, I do think they're better than 13 and 15. <clears throat> However, mm-hmm. if, if we think if we look last year in the playoffs when they played the Clippers, especially when KP went down, you had guys like Trey Burke who really played really well. Seth Curry shot the ball really well. Tim Hardaway was playing well. Jalen Brunson. Um, like you were having uh, in Kleber, and you were having got their role players were really, really played well during that stretch, and ultimately is the reason they won that game where Luca hit a hit that buzzer when they made that big comeback. Like their role players were outstanding Incredible. for the majority of that uh, the majority of that that series, and it's like we we knew that Trey Burke wasn't going to be able to come in and do that on a, for a seventy two game season. Like he might give you a, every every third game or something like that, but guys like Trey Burke, Jalen Brunson, like. Yeah, they're decent role players, but they're not going to bring you home every single night. Um, when KP, you just never know with him. Now, Luca's putting up the numbers, but, man, mm-hmm. I'll tell you what. Luca. I've told you this. I've told you this a couple times. He's starting to remind me a little bit of James Harden at Houston. I'm not gonna. I'm just not going to say James Harden. I'm going to say James Harden at Houston because James Harden's turned into the point guard for the Nets right now, and he's actually doing a pretty daggum good job. Um, a lot more enjoyable to watch as the point guard of the Nets too than he was in Houston. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I just think he's, uh, he kind of checked out, and he was like, "Well, I'm in Houston. I can shoot forty times. I can dri- set the all-time dribbling record." <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but but Luca's honestly starting to remind me a little bit of that, and you can say it's because he doesn't have the greatest supporting cast, but at the same time, like, I mean, I know he, he'll get you 10 assists every night, but it's, it's, it's different. You know what I mean? Like he's so ISO centrated and he's just, I don't know. Like I like Luca. He's fun to watch, but he's starting to turn into a little bit of a, of a James Harden to me. Um, but as far as the Mavs, KP is going to have to be healthy. I think with an, with a 100% Chris stops and a 100% yeah. Luca, um, 
I think they can give anybody in the West a series. Do I think they can beat anybody in the West? No, but I think they can kind of do what they did to the Clippers last year, kind of give them a little bit of a scare, uh, take them to the wire yeah. a couple times. I, I do think that's their ceiling there, but, I mean, Luke is great. He's going to be an MVP in this league, but he's he's not quite there yet to just carry a team over over a really good team in the West. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I don't think you can count on the Trey Burks, the Brunsons, the Finney Smiths to deliver over a seven game series. And like in Chris Stops, I mean, the dude is not, he hadn't played a full season yet, has he, without going out for a no, while? Absolutely not. And I don't think we can just expect that to start to happen again. Um, yeah. But that's kind of my takeaway on the Mavs. Now, the Suns, Chris Paul is the best winner who has never made it to the finals. <laughs> I mean, yeah. wherever the guy goes, they win. I mean, who in the world would have thought OKC would have been decent last year? I mean, it's Chris, it's, it's Chris Paul. And honestly, in that game seven against Golden State, if Houston didn't shoot two for 5,000 from three, they probably beat mm-hmm. Golden State that year. Um, yeah. But, I mean, Chris Paul, he just wins wherever he goes. And – He's really taken the Suns to the next level. Um, they've been a they've been really a really good story. And DeAndre Ayton, goodness, I've been watching him whenever the Suns are on TV. Whenever I watch him, he he he's fun to watch. He rebounds everything and he dunks everything. I mean, mm-hmm. he's actually been a pleasant surprise. He kind of surprised me when I watched him a couple games. Uh, but yeah, I like yeah. the Suns. They're they're a nice little story. Um, we're kidding ourselves that we think they're making a serious run, but they're definitely a good team and they got a good foundation. I, I really like what they did with Chris Paul kind of just bringing a winner's mentality to a, a place that hasn't seen winning since old Nash and Stoudemire. Mm-hmm. No, I'm with you. Um, I think they're definitely like a top four or five team in the, in the West um, so far this year. I think um, everything you said about them um, is totally fair. Last thing that I'll say on Dallas and Luca, two things. So I give the Dallas a little bit of slack due to the fact that they were ravaged by COVID and injuries to kind of begin the year. Um, Like two or three weeks, first two or three weeks, they had at least four guys out. So I don't think that helped at all. I definitely don't think that helped. Um, And then the other thing about like Luca playing like Harden, totally agree with you. Um, Maybe when was it like five, four or five weeks ago, I would agree he was too isocentric, uh, kind of turned into that James Harden type player. Didn't really like watching him play. The past three or four times that I watched him play, um, I think he played within the offense a lot more, was, you know, played a little bit more off ball, let other guys kind of have a, you know, piece of the ball, kept the ball moving, the ball didn't stick. So I think maybe he's kind of figuring out because I don't think that he played like that last year you know I like I think at times he did you know because he's so gifted like I don't mind you put being you know playing a little bit of ISO when you're that gifted offensively but I think he he's done a better job of kind of picking his spots the last few games that I've seen him so hopefully that kind of continues I don't want him turning in to that Harden type player because that's some miserable to me that's not basketball um just, you know, dribble, you know, dribbling the clock out, then making a step back. And, yeah, it might go in, but I just don't think – I mean, that's black top, you know, horse kind of playing. I just don't – not crazy about that. So, I hope going forward he, you know, deviates and uh, continues to play like he's kind of been playing 
um, the last few times I've seen them. But any more takeaways before we kind of move into our um, – well, oh, yeah, I've got one more takeaway. I've got one more takeaway. i got to right. bring them up. Got to bring them up. Steph Curry has been unbelievable this year. Um, the dude is basically recreating his 2016 MVP run with a, a, far, <laughs> a far inferior roster. Right, Kyle, I'm not kidding you. I think we could probably make more threes and more layups <laughs> on that team. I mean, no disrespect. Okay, but a little disrespect. They're, I mean, they're. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let the record be known. Me and Hampton are not NBA guys. This man said we could score on Denver and we could be better scorers than the Warriors starting <laughs> five. We, we are both six foot one and under. We, we, <laughs> there's a little bit of sarcasm going here, but I, I do, I do agree with your point. I'm just, I just, I ju- hey, I just believe, in, I just believe in us, okay? Um, but he, I just want to give him a quick shout out at how incredible that he's been. Um, I mean, Wiseman's been hurt. Draymond doesn't play offense anymore, apparently, other than passing. Well, Draymond's uh, never played offense, honestly. You know, I, he's, I, he's, been, you a, he's that, been a little bit of a facilitator and a passer, and he'll shoot a wide-open three with his backpack on. But, I mean, but he, they've never, he's been the fourth offensive option, if not the fifth. I mean, he, he's never really been an offensive option. In 2015 and 2016, he definitely – Pre-K, yeah, pre-KD, dude, he would have nights where he was the best offensive player on their team. Well, yeah, because that's they have no 14 lie. guys chasing Steph and Clay. He's wide open underneath, and he can he can score inside a little bit back and, when he was and I, Yeah, but now he – like, but even with – um like last year when he had Clay and Steph, he still didn't like, – he went shoot a wide open three, which he usually can make at like a 30 – 20 to 30% clip, which isn't great, but it's better than what he is now. Um and he would finish around the rim. She's not doing now. So, I don't know. I, I think um, just kind of him doing doing this with this roster is uh, really incredible. And it's just fun to watch him kind of cook again. I think people forget um, how great he is. I know that's so cliche, but it's really true. Uh, I mean, he, and, he's, he's been outstanding, but he's not quite as good as Damian Lillard. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Okay, um, I was gonna. I mean, I was gonna give a shout out to Dame. That Dame has been incredible this year too. Um, but dude, there uh, I was listening to a podcast and the guy said like that Steph isn't having to carry the whole offensive load because he's not like a true point guard, but Damian is. And I'm like, dude, get out of here! Like, have you watched the Warriors game? He is there. Like, hit the gravity that he brings with him. Like, with two or three guys scared to death every time he go crosses half court he creates open shots for other guys and he's a really good passer too like i just don't um i just don't get um i didn't get that statement at all by him um but you know uh they've both been really incredible and really fun to watch this year yeah for sure i agree i mean steph is steph i mean he when he's healthy it's a shame clay's not clay was here that'd be Oh, man, they'd actually be a really, really fun team to watch. Who could actually make some noise? I think. Um, but without Clay, they're they're a first round exit, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Even though Kelly Oubre's been better, uh, he he is starting to play a little bit better. Um, but yeah. but yeah, I mean, if they could get if 
Sorry, I kind of stuttered here. I was watching that offensive foul on Kawhi with eight seconds left, trying to see if it was. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely um, pushed off, I thought. He did, but he flopped too, man. Yeah. But, hey, okay, anyways, back to the I remember I was talking about. But, yeah, Steph, I mean, Steph's incredible. And if they if they had a few more wins in the win column, he, he'd he have some serious MVP consideration. Um, mm-hmm. But that's just my opinion on that. Now, you were talking about how fun it would be if Clay were on that team this year. Totally agree with you. That would be – um, I don't know. I don't know if they'd be a contender because I don't think the rest of the roster is good enough. But uh, they would definitely. I'd I'd say they'd be top five in the West. Um, yeah. Just because I think he's that incredible. Um, and then them two as a duo were um, one of the best NBA duos of all time. So great point. Great the best point. shooting duo of all time, no doubt. Oh yeah, no. I mean, there's no. No argument. I don't even know if there's a close second, to be honest. Well, I don't know. Steph and KD was a pretty good uh, shooting dude. <laughs> but, uh, well, I mean, just I and, and that's what people are going to remember them as, but people are going to forget how good of a defender Clay was, too. Like, Clay's defense uh, is what, what really made them special over that, over that span of time. Um, mm-hmm. but especially pre KD, but yeah. Well, just like, uh, I know this. Uh, trip down memory lane, but that game, I think it was game six against uh, OKC. He dropped 40, but he was also guarding Russell and uh, KD and was, you know, making it hard on them in that fourth quarter. Uh, he, he He's incredible. I love Clay. Really like Clay. Game six, Clay? Seems like every game six, Clay would dominate. <laughs> Dude, you ain't lying. You are not lying. Um, you got any more takeaways? Or are we ready to kind of get to our final – Final little segment of the show. And I think we kind of hit everything, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't think of anything, any other team or any other storyline. I mean, Indiana's kind of nice, honestly. I kind of like they got Sabonis. It's a shame what happened that LaVert's not there, but Brogdon's been a good story. I mean, Indiana's a, a nice little team, but they're they're not worthy of talking about that much. They're, they're Indiana nah. after all, but I do actually like <laughs> like watching them, honestly. I like they're Sabonis. Indiana. I like Sabonis. Oh. That's, that's rude. Sorry. Pain man <laughs> take offense to that. Yeah, um, well. He's since not Reggie here, Miller, right? Since Reggie Miller, he hadn't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. Or Roy, well, the Roy can... Hibbert days. <laughs> oh, oh, and Dave. <laughs> Danny they, Granger. Dude, they were actually nice. That was back. They gave Miami a couple battles back when LeBron was in Miami. Dude, we're going down memory lane if we keep talking too much. We can tell we had not talked in a while. <laughs> you, you ain't lying, dude. That, uh. They went to Game Seven they a couple did. times. Yep, they sure did. Well, let let's get to our final topic of the show. So, I know I've texted you a couple times. I'm a big Zion Williamson fan, and I think you are too. Yeah. Um, he's a Dukey. You're a big Duke fan. And Was. I don't claim him this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think uh, kids' moms will claim him this year. They're that bad. Um. So, I mean, Alabama could beat Duke in basketball, which Alabama's really good this year. But still, I mean, what a wild year we're living in when Alabama could beat Duke in basketball. Hey, this Alabama team could beat a lot of teams. We might need to do a college basketball pod one time. Don't tempt me. Don't tempt me. Um, <laughs> Zion is a polarizing figure. Number one draft pick. Um, he come, comes into the league. He gets hurt. Has his debut last year. Plays about 20 games. Actually played really well. I mean, he averaged like 23 
points and wasn't playing that many minutes because the Pelicans were being really careful with him. You go to the bubble. He didn't look great in the bubble. That whole team looked like they didn't want to be there in the bubble, yeah. to be quite honest. Um, and so people kind of start, you know, their usual dismissing of guys way too early. And the Pelicans this year are not a great team. Um, I think there are a few factors for that. One is I don't think the roster is constructed very well. Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams need to get shipped out of here, um, especially Bledsoe. Um, I think Josh Hart and Kyra Lewis need to be playing over him. Uh, he's just – I don't think he – I don't think he fits what they want to be. Um, but today they had a huge come-from-behind win on the Celtics. I know we talked about them earlier. I know they're struggling. But they were down 24 with six minutes left in the third, came all the way back – and beat them. Zion had four points in the first half. He had 24 in the second and 13 in the fourth. Um, was just re- really good late. They go to him um, on like the last shot attempt of the game. He bullies Tristan Thompson, gets an and one, and they, you know, kind of puts them in overtime. But that didn't, you know, we're not going to really talk about today's game and dive into it that much. But every time that I've watched Zion, like the past two or three weeks, I just come away more and more impressed. And not just because he can kind of score at will, but you can see the seeds of him, of like his surface and what he can be as he continues to progress because his burst is unlike anything in the NBA, really, at that size. Um, Like his first step is just incredible can beat people off the dribble. His touch around the basket is really, really good. Um, and I think he's turned into – the Pelicans have kind of figured out, hey, this dude can pass. Why don't we let him facilitate the offense a little more? And he did that in the fourth quarter in OT of today, today's game um, and really kind of brought, you know, brought them home and brought, led them to a victory. So here's my point. I think right now, I'm not saying he's a better player, but offensively, I think Zion has a higher ceiling than Giannis. Let me give you some stats to back this up, okay? I'm going to just read these two. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you saying he has a higher ceiling, or are you saying he's a better scorer? I need to know. I think think both. I think both. So you think Zion's a better scorer than Giannis right now? Yes. I think he's a more rounded scorer. Now, I know he's not averaging as many – he's averaging like three less points than Giannis right now. Mm -hmm. But let me give this to you, okay? So he's averaging 25 points a game this year, seven rebounds and three assists. Um, He's shooting 62% from the field, 37.5 from three, and 72 from the free throw line, which is a big, big improvement. I think he's gotten better as the year's gone along. All right, Giannis is averaging, he's averaging 28 points a game, six assists, um, and rebounds he's averaging 10. Field goal percentage, he has 55%. Three-point percentage, this is, this is abysmal, Kyle. You, you, what? I'm going to give you a guess. What is his uh, three-point 
percentage. Do you know? Uh, it's got to be sub 30. Yeah, 27%. Yeah. Um, just terrible. And then his free throw percentage is 64%. So he, like, I don't know what happened to Giannis. And I think he, um, mentally, like, he's kind of messed up at the free throw line because he peaked with, like, at 77% uh, free throw, which isn't bad. For his, like, for his size and everything, not bad. But now it is just plummeted um, to 64%. But I think Zion, I think he has more moves around the basket. I think he has better touch, kind of as I said earlier. Um, and I think he honestly has a better shot. And I think long-term, if he keeps working on it, it'll be better. It Like, long-term, he still will be a better shooter than Giannis. Because I think – I mean, we talked about it before. Giannis' shot is like uh, – it is ugly. Yeah. I mean, just – it doesn't even look natural. And, I mean, Zion's, to me, looks natural. And he's shooting a little more confidently from three. Um, and I just think – as he continues to kind of grow and continues to progress, um, I I will say I kind of revert my statement. I don't know if he's better right now offensively, but I think long-term he can be better offensively. And then if he raises and ratchets up his defensive um, effort and mentality, he will be a better player than Giannis uh, long-term. What do you think about that? Oh, that's a bold statement, say he's going to be a better player than Giannis, but we can talk about that maybe a little bit later. But what I want to talk about right now is you saying that he's a better scorer than Giannis. Now, here's kind of my main backing point here. Zion, although he's been great, although he's setting records for highest field goal percentage this, highest field goal percentage that, he still hasn't earned quite the respect that Giannis has. And let me kind of explain what I mean. When a team plays Milwaukee, they're not playing Milwaukee. They're playing Giannis. Like, from a defensive standpoint, every single thing is centered around stopping Giannis. If Middleton gives you 40, Middleton gives you 40. But you cannot let Zion – I mean, not Zion, sorry. You cannot let Giannis do what Giannis does. You've got to figure out a way to limit Giannis. Now, the Pelicans – when teams play the Pelicans – I don't think they're necessarily thinking that right now. I, don't, I wouldn't even go as far as to say that Zion is the number one scoring option for the Pelicans. I think Brandon Ingram you is. Think it's Brandon. I think Brandon Ingram is their number one scorer, especially from a usage standpoint. Brandon Ingram's the creator. He creates more. He facilitates more. He, I, I think I would, I would say that B.I. is their main scorer. So I think – let me pop in real quick. I think Ingram has a higher usage rate because – the way he gets his shots are more – it's more difficult for him to get a shot, if that makes sense. Like, he has to do a lot more um, a lot more dribbling, a lot more movement than Zion, where Zion's kind of like catch, one move, and go. And I think – and I would argue that as a passer and a facilitator, I, I would take Zion over Brandon Ingram. But continue. Yeah. And, and, I agree with your point. He's the number yeah. one scoring. And so um, – yeah. And so – and you're talking about the threes, like – I don't think either of these guys are prolific threes. Like, if you look at – if you look at – and now Giannis is definitely a higher-volume three-point shooter. I think he's kind of forced into shooting three to four threes a game, whether he wants to or not, because he has to just to keep the defense honest. Because they'll literally just mm-hmm. sit completely – sit five feet off of him 
and build that wall like we were talking about earlier and just dare him to shoot. So, I mean, he kind of has to take them um, just to to bring them out of step. And every now and then he'll have a game where he hits three or four. But just looking at his past games, um, I mean, he has a one for five. This is Giannis. He has a one for five and over for four, another over four, two for five, one for three. He's a much higher volume three-point shooter than Zion. Um, Zion, I mean, he hasn't taken more more than two threes. And I mean, he's taken like five threes in the last ten games, five in the last five or six threes in the last like ten games. So I mean, yeah, Zion's a thirty five percent three point shooter right now, but his sample size, like thirty five percent over his sample size, isn't very impressive. And I think Giannis is kind of forced into taking shots he doesn't want, just enough to keep the defense honest. And but and Zion is a set shooter. Like he's not gonna take two dribbles and pull up. He's not gonna do a step back. Like he's only gonna shoot the three if it gets kicked to him and he's wide mm-hmm. open. So I mean he's not he's he's only gonna be a set shooter. So I, I really don't think Zion necessarily even though he is a thirty five percent three point shooter, which is respectable, I don't think he's necessarily that's that he's not just gonna be that's not part of his offensive arsenal, I should say. Now he 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 can shoot it well enough to where you have to come out there and respect him and he's quick enough to go by you when you do come out there. But Mm-hmm. I don't like using three point the three point percentage as a comparison as a, who's a, as part of their offensive skill set. I'll say that, well, and that's totally fair. But what I do, what I like, and I know you said Giannis gets forced to taking those, and I'd agree. But also sometimes Giannis just he settles like he. He could get to the basket. He could drive and kick or do something like that. But he'll, you know, who kind of dribble up even in transition and take, like, do, you know, one or two dribbles and then take a, take a three. And I don't think, like, Zion knows that he's never going to be, you know, like just a knockdown shooter, at least not at this point in his career. And, like, I commend him for being, like, knowing who he is and knowing um, and not kind of settling for a bad shot. And then also when he does get double teamed or even triple teamed today, like um, Boston tried to build a wall on him on multiple occasions. He's really good at passing out of that double and triple team, which I think Giannis, like he becomes a little bit hesitant or a little bit, um, you know, well, yeah, hesitant, timid uh, when he gets in those situations. Um, And I think Zion's kind of got a little bit of a better feel on how to pass out due to him playing point guard, you know, when he was younger. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's just hard because, I mean, you can literally triple team Giannis and he still he can still find a way to duck over you. Um, Zion can't. I mean, he can finish through contact. Um, I mean, when who were they playing the other night? Oh, Memphis. Um, and he was going through two or three dudes um, and just getting constant and ones. I think he had like 36 in that game. Um and he, I mean, it didn't matter who they put on; they couldn't stop him. Now, now, this is kind of what I want to see. Um, we kind of we talked about this okay. a little bit. Um, I think me and you definitely both agree that playoff NBA basketball is a completely different game than regular season NBA basketball. Yep, I am, and this I think that's part of the reason why Giannis has kind of struggled in the playoffs because teams are going to make someone else beat you. They're going to defend you. They're because in a in a Tuesday night in January. A team's not going to show their best scheme on how to stop you. They're not going to send triple teams all the time, try, making sure like they're they're just not going to do that for four quarters of a game. But especially if you watch like Le- LeBron and them in the playoffs, like they're mismatch hunting basically every possession. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a completely different game, basically. So I'm curious mm-hmm. to see how 
they play Zion. I'm curious if they – because I don't think Zion's just this well-rounded player that can do everything yet. So I think they can kind of no, take away no, his strengths and force him to his weaknesses, kind of like they do to Giannis in the playoffs. And I'm curious – and that'll, that'll tell me a lot about Zion. Now, I think Zion's special. I think he's going to be great. But I don't think he's a better offensive player than Giannis at this moment. Okay, and 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 that's fair, um, totally fair. I do. I'm curious to see. I mean, if I'm New Orleans, I'm keeping, I'm maintaining the trio of Lonzo, Ingram, and um, Zion as long as I can. I'm retooling the rest of the roster to kind of suit what they do well. Um, Lonzo over the month of January, I think, um, was 17 and five, shooting like 38% from three. Um, has looked really good. And then defensively, he's been elite. Yeah. Today, he was really good on on Brown and um, Brown and Tatum when he got put on there. Josh Hart did a great job defensively on Tatum. And if the, if the, if the Pelicans can commit to playing defense, they're going to. They're going to be in the playoffs. They, that is their biggest bugaboo. They can they can score with anybody, but their defense has to improve, and mainly it's a lack of intensity and lack of lack of effort, including Zion at times. Like he needs to get better at that. And I think I think today was kind of a big step because they won by ratcheting up their defensive intensity and making the Celtics kind of uncomfortable, and that translated into buckets for them. So. I'm kind. Of, I'm. I'm with you. I. Need, I want to see, kind of their, their track of where they where they go from here. Yeah, I mean Zion's never had to play defense in his life. He's always been able to out jump, out run people. I mean, out athleticize people, and he can he can make up for not playing defense. But you're definitely right. If you especially last year, they were horrible defensively. But in the beginning of the year, they kind of showed some promise, and then they kind of mm-hmm. dropped off a little bit. But the Lonzo, I've always been a Lonzo fan. I think he does a lot of things really good for the team. He, he can facilitate, he can pass, he can guard. His shot's gotten better. But there were rumors that they it were has. trying to deal him out later. Have you heard anything about that? Or is that were that just rumors and that's not going to happen now? So, I, they were rumors. And then, at, like, literally, as soon as those rumors started coming out, he started balling. Like, he um, – that's, like, where the 17 and 5 has come from. Um, he's shooting from a much better clip from three. Um, and I, you know, I told you this too. Um, I think Van Gundy has kind of realized that that team, especially Lonzo, is best suited to play really fast, play an up and down game, yes. because he Lonzo does such a good job of like reading and reacting because he's so instinctual, and I think um, that has really helped, um, you know, his kind of ascension um, in the past month. And playing Kyra Lewis too. I know I'm a <laughs> I'm a Bama fan, but Kyra's been actually really good for them. Um, solid role player. He plays hard each and every night, but also his speed um, creates a lot of matchup problems for other teams, and um, you know gets other guys open, make makes plays for Zion and Ingram. So I, I you know if they could just get rid of Bledsoe and Adams, man, I would be. What are they? What are they really... You could theoretically, theoretically, yet realistically, if that makes sense, add a piece to this team. Who would you add? Theoretically, yet realistically, like you can pull from any team, but you can't just say like Kevin Durant. If you, if you get what I mean. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah I'm not, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. Um, Miles Turner would honestly not be. Oh that. wow, I like that actually. I like that a lot. He's uh, he's a stretch five. Um, and like today, if you notice, when when they went the lineup of Hart, Lonzo, Zion, Ingram, and Melly, and I mean Melly, I'm not, I'm not saying Melly's like a an all star or anything like that. But they it spread the floor and it let it, it gave Ingram and Zion more room to operate instead of you know when you have Adams and Bledsoe on the floor you basically have two non shooters and it packs the paint and I mean Zion was still putting up numbers but I think him and Ingram both do well when there's more shooting on the floor and to get a you know get a true center who can help um, you know create spacing. It gives Zion and Ingram more room to operate. I think that's kind of the key for them. And then, like another another shooter would be would be really nice because, like I said, Zion's really good at um, facilitating and making a, making the right pass. Um, so that would be my two things. Man, what that, about you? That, you got any? that was really good. I mean, that was off the cuff. I mean, you just straight up Miles Turner first shot. That was that was really good. I like that. Um, but what about I this? Tried. What about this? The Cleveland big. He's on the block. Drummond? Yeah, you, you think he could be a decent I, fit? No, because um, to me, he's a better Stephen Adams, yep. but he <laughs> doesn't. Um, I mean, he doesn't stretch the floor. He it's just around the basket. I I don't think that's a good fit for them. Fair. Um, I think Drummond's a solid player, but there's a reason Cleveland is trading him or trying to trade him. Um, ah, uh, yeah, I I would not like that pick if they got him. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's like this roster's good, but they're not there yet. Like, B.I. keeps taking steps. Um, and, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you got J.J., but you can always use more shooting. Um, I honestly like this roster. It's just, it's washed. Do what? I said J.J. at times has looked washed. Yeah, I mean, year. he's been in the league for 40 years now. Um, and he's, he's starting to turn into a little bit of a Kyle Korver. <laughs> but, I mean. Yeah, um, but I mean, but he's still a knockdown shooter at that. Um, but I mean, yeah, just it, it's like, yeah, they can add more pieces. But honestly, I just think this team needs to develop. I mean, I don't think it's as yeah. much as about bringing in a bunch of pieces. I think they have good structure and a good foundation. I just think we got to give them time. Like, B.I. keeps taking steps. Zion keeps taking steps. Lonzo keeps taking steps. If those guys keep taking steps, and then you bring in like a Miles Turner caliber, caliber big. Mm-hmm. Um, then yeah, I, I like the direction they're going. Obviously, they're not there yet, but I mean, you gotta like what they're doing over there. Um, I, I mm-hmm. like that team a lot, and man, I, I really like that Miles Miles Turner. Hey, I just maybe because I was high on Indy earlier, I didn't even bring Miles Turner up, but but and Miles Turner's on my fantasy basketball team, so. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think if you keep the core three together, and we got to remember, man, Zion is 20. He's younger than we are, and <laughs> crazy. He's already been putting up unreal numbers, and he's already made so much progress. I think this year, that, I, I mean, I think he's truly committed to wanting to be great. And um, if they keep that development up and keep those three together, keep adding around them. Um, I think they're going to be a terror um, for years to come because I don't think there's any single defender or any single player that can stop both, you know, Ingram and Zion as a combo. I think they're pretty 
um, deadly uh, duo. So um, I'm excited to see what happens. I hope they get in the playoffs yeah, me too. this year because that would be um, that'd be good for their development and it'd be fun to watch. Agreed. So agreed. Yeah. Well, before we get out of here, anything else? Are we uh, we about good to wrap this up, Kyle? Nah, I mean, I just went an hour and a half talking basketball and didn't bring up LeBron hardly, so you should be proud. <laughs> uh, I know. I know. That's why we didn't hang up sooner. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a, you know, great addition of the Trojan Tailgate Network NBA recap show. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, we we hope you enjoyed our latest podcast with Coach Hayes. Give him a follow on YouTube. Help him get to ten thousand subscribers. We got a lot of good um, positive feedback on that. Had a good time um, talking to him, learning a lot about the world of recruiting um, from him. Very knowledgeable guy. So give him a follow and be sure to follow us on our social media on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, be sure to listen to our podcast as they're available on Spotify. Oh, wow. Words are hard. <laughs> Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcasts. And for myself and Kyle Edwards, thank you so much for listening. We can't wait to have uh, the King of Hot Takes, <laughs> Big Papa Shep, and we'll talk on in the future. And we will talk to y'all guys or talk to you guys in a couple weeks. Have a great week and enjoy watching some NBA.